again invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we forget the setting of that first Christmas. We forget that all mankind was bound in the bondage and the chains of sin. You know, the, the more you study human nature, the more you study history, everything goes back to the book of Genesis. I mean, you see what, what's going on in our world today, and it is a result of the fall of man. It is... Um, our nature as mankind to, to do evil and wrong. And we, as Jeremiah said, our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And, and really there was no hope. I mean, offering the sacrifices, but they were incomplete and had to be offered over and over again. And to know that as God promised Adam and Eve, that sin results in death. And the end result of sin is death, Romans chapter 6 tells us. And Satan had the power over the human race in the form of death. You look today and Satan's mode of operation has not changed. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And all the stealing and the killing and destruction that goes on in our world today is directly back to Him. It's directly back to our human heart and nature. And death was inescapable. But we read here that God willing to step into this world, sent His Son, who is God, Jesus Christ, as we saw two weeks ago, is all of God. He didn't lay aside His deity. He is God. He laid aside the willful, willful exercise of His deity. But He was all God and all man. And as God, He came, and we saw last week, He humbled Himself and took upon Himself the form of a man. He, you talk about humbling. I mean, that He left heaven, the exercise of the Godhead that was at His authority, and came and was humbly born into this world as a man. But it's important that we understand He didn't just come to be an example. He didn't just come to be a teacher. He came on a specific mission. You notice what it says here in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. But made Himself of no reputation, taking the form of a slave, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself and became obedient. 
I mean, this is God in the flesh. And you wouldn't think those two would go together, but he was living as a man, and it says that Jesus was obedient. Again, it means he gave up his rights, brought himself under his Father's will. It, it, it literally means to be brought under the obedience that he's talking about here, uh, to be brought under the power, to be brought under the authority, to be brought under the control of something. You know, by nature, um, we don't like being brought under the control of something. I mean, you see it from a little child, you know, you, you go to help them get their shoes on. No, I do it myself, you know, and, and from the very beginning. And, and we don't like being told what to do. By nature, we are rebellious. And, and the issue in, in when we were raised and when you're raising your kids is to teach them to obey. And what that means is, you know, ideal obedience is obedience plus nothing else. Meaning obedience not with delay, not with grumbling, not with doing it a different way, just We'd love it to be, yes, Dad, I'd be happy to do that. But we know the reality. By nature, we are rebellious. And we don't like being controlled. And that really is the issue that most people have with Christianity. But it's an issue that Jesus Christ was willing to be under the authority of the Father and He provided for us the ultimate level of obedience, one that we'll never be asked to emulate. We'll never be asked to obey at the level that He was asked to obey. But you think of this. Jesus, in the likeness of man, humbled Himself and became obedient. It required him to give up his relationship with the Father so that we could have a relationship with the Father. I mean, his relationship with the Father changed completely. The very thought of being torn away from his Father, we read, caused him to sweat great drops of blood. It caused him to to scream in His crucifixion, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? But why did He do this? This was His mission. This was God's plan. And He was obedient to it. We ought to, we ought to always, but especially this time of year, um, say, Thank You, Jesus, that you were obedient to the Father. Thank you that you didn't obey Him like I obey you. Because we are so failing and feeble in our obedience. But it says He obeyed the Father. So first of all, Jesus was obedient. But you notice what it says. Became obedient to the point of death. The point of Christmas that we're remembering is not to make an exciting story 
that in the dark days of winter we have something to look forward to and brighten us in the darkness of winter. A wonderful story about Mary and Joseph and shepherds and all that. No, the point of it is Jesus was born to die. That was His mission. That was what He came to do. The point of Christmas is for Christ to take the guilt and the penalty of our sin, to take our death so that we can have eternal life. He became obedient unto death. It does not mean that death ruled over him. He always was the master of death. He died as no other individual ever had died before. And he died as no one ever will die. He died of his own will and volition. And he died as he, in his timing, dismissed his spirit. But it means that his mission was here to die. I don't know all that went on in Mary's minds. One verse that has intrigued me in the whole account is that it says, And Mary pondered all these things in her mind. She knew this was the Messiah. I don't know if as she held that baby, if she looked into that, as babies have that smooth skin and knew and looked and thought, he's come to die. I don't know as she saw him playing and doing the typical things of a boy, if she thought, He's come to die. But that's his whole reason. I don't, I don't know what all went in his mind either. But in the father's mind, it was, I have sent him in this lowly state without fanfare, but I have sent him to die. Jesus came to die. And Jesus said, Lo, I have come to do your will. And it was God's will that Jesus die for our sins. But it it wasn't just that. It, It was like, it just keeps, the humility just keeps going. He left heaven. Okay? He took upon Himself the form of a man, okay? He was obedient, yes, to death. But then it adds, even the death of the cross. This is the most severe, this is the most um, vile, if you please, death. This is God. He didn't just leave heaven. He didn't just become a man. He became obedient to death. And then he adds, even the death of the cross. It was the worst kind of death. It was a violent death. Jesus didn't 
just slip into eternity. No, he died at the murderous hands of Jews and Gentiles combined. They took him, they spit upon him, they crucified him. Literally, they slew him. It's a violent death, but it's also a painful death of lingering agony. The crucifixion was known for the pain that it involved and the length of the pain as the nails were driven through his body as he hung on the cross. The pain was that like none other. And we're not going to go into the details. We've talked about it at other times. But physically, the pain, it was a very painful death. This is what Paul's saying. Even the death of the cross. This is what he did for us. It's also a shameful death. Thieves were crucified with him. His adversaries stood and mocked him. The death of the cross was reserved for slaves and the most vile felons. This is God in the flesh. And this is who He's crucified with. I mean, it is, it is a shameful death. There's no lower that Christ could go than the cross. His death, death was one of such extreme shame and humiliation that indeed, as was prophesied, he is despised and rejected of men. It was also a criminal's death. He died not like a hero in battle, nor as one that which, which he was doing, but not he didn't die as one who was rescuing fellow men from a fire or from a flood. He was identified as a criminal. He has come against the state. He is the vilest of criminals. And he died even the death of the cross. It was an accursed death. God Himself said this. In Deuteronomy, He said, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So He was cursed for us. It was a lonely death. You think about it. All had forsaken him. He had invested his life into the twelve disciples. Three years invested in them. And even leading up to the cross, it says they all had forsaken him. And then on the cross, 
as we mentioned a moment ago, forsaken by his father. It was a lonely death. No one in this life will ever experience the loneliness that Jesus Christ experienced on our behalf. Because none of us will ever be forsaken by the Father. He had no one. As as much as you may experience loneliness even with people around you, we will never experience the loneliness that Jesus Christ bore for us. So, He was obedient. He came to die. He came to die on the cross. And that cross involved the the most humility that you can ever put together. And this is what He did. So we ask, what does it mean to us? We sang just before the message, in Christ alone. And and the words of that song bore out what we want to emphasize here. What does this mean that He, equal with God, became a man, became obedient to the Father, even to death, even the death of the cross, the most shameful death that He could possibly bear, What does it mean to us? Number one, Christ alone conquers death. From the Garden of Eden, there was this major problem that's called death. It remains a major problem today. People don't like to think about death. People are afraid of death. People cannot avoid death. Death is a major, major problem. And Jesus Christ did all of this to conquer death. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Notice verse 14. Hebrews 2, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Notice that? Jesus Christ came in the flesh, To destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And then to free those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime held in bondage to it. Jesus Christ alone is the solution to the death problem. And he freed us from the bondage. He destroyed the power of death. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> and 
And notice if you look in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Notice, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We were under the law. The law is given to show us our sin. We were burdened under the law and the guilt of sin. But Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law, becoming the curse for us. And in Christ alone, secondly, Christ alone forgives sins. He bore our sin in His body on the tree. This is why He came. This was His mission. This was His purpose. And, and because of that, we can, we can sit here today and we can know it is well with my soul. Why? Because I'm doing well? No. Only because Christ has forgiven my sins. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ. It's nothing I have done. And it, it is this initiating of this in Christ's coming at Christmas, Christ's birth, His life, His death, and His resurrection, He bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might have forgiveness of sins. It's Christ alone. It's thirdly, Christ alone who removes fear. The fear of death. Those who all their lifetime were in bondage to the fear of death. Christ comes and He removes that and He says, But as many as receive Christ, to them He gives power to become the sons of God. And as sons, we are heirs of eternity with Him. So that we can, as Paul said, with confidence say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. None of us know how we'll depart from this life. None of us know when we'll breathe our last breath. We don't know the process we'll go through. But we need not fear because as believers in Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. We belong to Him and to be absent from this body is then present with the Lord. So we need not fear. Not only that, we need not fear this life, what we may go through, because He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will shepherd you. I will make My grace abundant in your life. I will give you the strength you need. If you need wisdom, ask of Me. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear. We live in a world that is controlled by the fear of death and by fear in general, and it is being played upon by the major players in the world today. They want to instill fear. I mean, in everything, it's like everything is sensationalized. I mean, wind chills 30 below this week. Oh my goodness. You know what? It's been that before throughout all of history here. 
and people survived, and they didn't have heated seats in their car, and they didn't have insulation in their walls, and they didn't have LP. You know what I'm saying? It's not like the end of the world, but that's just one minor thing, let alone everything that's going on. And God says, it didn't surprise me that I put you here at this time, and all of these things are going on in the world. And he says, I will give you the grace. I gave grace to Daniel. I gave grace to Noah. I gave grace to Paul. I gave grace to Stephen. I gave grace to all these people. You think I'm just going to leave you? That's why Paul wrote to Timothy, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Why? Because Christ came into this world... He died for us. He rose again. And He's forgiven our sins by faith in Jesus Christ. And He promised that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's the message of Christmas. Christ alone removes fear. You'll note how many times in the Christmas account, Fear not, they said to Mary. Fear not, they said to the shepherds. Christ alone removes fear. But it also means to us that Christ alone gives victory. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Notice in verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says, death is broken by God, only Christ conquers death, only Christ forgives sins, only Christ removes fear, and only Christ gives victory. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that victory, we are empowered to be steadfast and unmoved from the faith and always abounding in the work of the Lord. The victory that we have in Christ. So what does it mean to us? Christ alone conquers death. Christ alone forgives sins. Christ alone removes fear. Christ alone gives victory. And number five, Christ alone deserves our complete obedience. We will never be asked a more difficult task than that which Christ was asked to do. And He obeyed even unto death. 
And if He alone conquered death and sin and fear and gives me victory, I should wholeheartedly and entirety of my being submit to Him and obey Him. That's why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. It is the power of God that saved me. Whatever He asked me to do, I'm willing to do it. This is what God has called us to. I mean, when you see He gave up His right to exercise His Godhead, He came to earth, took upon the form of a man, became obedient, and the form of a man as a slave, and became obedient even unto death, and we just skimmed over that today, the aspect of His death, and He did all that for us so that we could have forgiveness of sins, a home eternal in heaven, He is deserving of our complete and utter love, devotion, and obedience. The account is told of a home of an English family that was engulfed in flames. They thought everyone was out of the house, but the mother realized the baby was still in the house. The mother saved her, and for years the child grew up with the mother. And notice that the mother always went about the house with her hands covered. The eldest of the servants had never seen her hands uncovered. But one day the daughter came into a room And unexpectedly, her mother sat there with her hands uncovered. They were torn. They were scarred. They were disfigured. Instantly, the mother tried to cover them up, but she couldn't cover them up before the daughter noticed. And she said, I better tell you about it. He said, it was when the fire was in the house and you were in your cradle. I fought my way through the flames to get to you. I wrapped you in a blanket and dropped you through the window and someone caught you. She said, I couldn't go back down the stairways. So I climbed out the window. My hands were burnt and I slipped. And I was caught in the trellis work below the window. When I fell, my hands were torn severely. The doctor did his best. But my dear, these hands were torn for you, she said. The girl, who had now grown to womanhood, sprang toward her mother And took one hand and then the other and buried her face in her mother's hands as she kept saying, they are beautiful hands. They are beautiful hands. We need to run to Jesus 
and say, you are the beautiful Savior. Not just in the manger. He still bears the scars for the humbling sacrifice He did for us. And many times we are ashamed of Him. Many times we resist in obeying Him. But He humbled Himself and became obedient even to death, the death of the cross. Heavenly Father, I pray that our hearts would spring forth with mercy and love and praise and obedience to You for what You have done in our lives. Lord, I know in my life it's so easy for me to take it for granted. It's so easy for me to... Yep, Jesus died for sins. I have eternal life. Lord, I pray that during this Christmas season we would have a renewed... Love and appreciation and praise for the greatest gift ever given. Lord, I thank You that You humbled Yourself, took the form of a man, became obedient unto death, even the cruel death of the cross because of Your love for us. Lord, I pray if there is one here today who has never called upon You for the forgiveness of sins, Lord, I pray today would be a day that they come to realize only through You is there forgiveness of sins and victory over death and eternal life and everlasting health. And Lord, I pray for every believer here today that You would cause us to be filled with fresh love for You that we've never had before. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to ask